the last while dealing off the Talmud itself, dealing with 9 plus 1 and the Ark and the, the young boy with the Humash, and we looked at different halakhic statements and, and uh, I gave you a good deal of material. We're going to go back to the text. You've seen that uh, there were some people who were comfortable with the concept, some people who weren't comfortable with the concept. Even the concept itself was rather odd about opening the ark and what does that mean in terms of adding one, etc., etc. Um, but I thought it was a good diversion from the point of view of kind of studying an issue uh, and figuring out because some of you are used to that from whatever congregations you've attended over your lives as they look for a minion to be able to recite Kaddish, Kedusha, Barku, Torah reading, etc. Okay, so we're going to go back to our text. And this is, of course, the toughest moment of all. We are on page <laughs> 210 in this book, Memchet Amud Aleph, 48a, beginning with Amar Rabbi Yehuda Bereda Rav Shmuel. I'll give everybody a few minutes to try to find it. Oh, everybody have it? Wow, that's record time. Kolak avod. What's way to start a new year? Wow. Not that excited, huh? <laughs> All right. So, what are we going to do? We're going to continue with the concept of how many people do you need, and what kind of classifications do you need in order to recite your katamazon, in particular for the ten for alokenu. Okay. We're going to go on for this for a little bit of time. What do you have to eat in order to be part of the Mizuman? Remember, that's we're dealing with Birkat Amazon and the Mizuman, the invitation to Birkat Amazon. And it's only after all we get to all of this that Talmud's going to say, why do we say Birkat Amazon? Where does it come from? What are, the, what are its origins? Why do we say the words that we say, etc.? Which is typical, you'd think if you were writing, a, if you were a good teacher, where would you start from? There. But the Talmud never does that, or the Mishnah doesn't do that. Kind of in the middle of everything, we'll do that. So we'll get to our definitions um, in in, the, in a short period of time too. So we're at the Aleph where it says Amar Rabbi Yehuda. That's where we finished off last time. As I said, we spent I don't know about a class and a half on on the nine plus one. So we're going back to the text, and we're going to deal with how many people do you need around the table? What do they have to eat? in order to save Birkat Amazon. In particular, not Birkat Amazon itself, but the Mizuman. Rabotai Nevarech. Okay? Everybody got the concept, the place? Ready to go? Okay, who wants to take the first reading? Okay, um, Nina, go ahead. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Berei Derev Shmuel, Bar Sheli, Okay, so why do we have all these names? It's going to show what who is Rav. Rav is the one of the most important Babylonian individuals. His real name is Abba Aricha. He was a tall guy, and he is a Palestinian tradition. Now, the story of Rav is that he was in Palestine and eventually moved to Babel. To Babylonia brings with him the Palestinian tradition. He is what we call his Bar Pluta, the person with whom he totally engages all the time is. Shmuel, who was a Babylonian. And so Dina de Malchuta Dina, the law of the land is the law, comes from Babylonia and Shmuel, because he lived as part of the minority culture. And Rav and Shmuel are the two individuals who start the great yeshivot there, 
but it's, that's why it brings you here. Amar Rabbi Yehuda Brader Rav Shmuel Brader Yishmei Dir Rav. From the name of Rav, this is now a Palestinian tradition brought to Babylonia. Okay. Now we're looking again. Mitzdarfi means to say Eloheinu. All right. They join. Tisha shechlu dagan. Dagan is grain. Any kind of grain. Okay, for which you've done netilat yadaim, which you can do berkat hamazon. Ve'achad achal yarak. Meaning, he didn't really have the meal, full meal. He had vegetables. He ate, you know, he had vegetables. He didn't have bread. Can you still include him in saying, Nevarech elokeinu shachalnu mishalo? That's the question. Okay? He hasn't eaten this, what he's supposed to eat. He really doesn't say Birkatamazon. If he's saying Yerek, he says, Prochamein Shalosh. Can he be counted and added? And the response is in this tradition, Mitzdarfin. Nine plus one. That's why we talk nine one all the time. Mitzdarfin. They can be combined. You can say, Okay? Okay. Now, a good Jewish question would be, why nine? Why not eight? Why not seven? Why not six? I mean, that would be a typical Jewish question, right? The Talmud's going to ask that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's important now to just again, we're now by me, may Rav Rabbi Zera, may Rav Yehuda. Where are we? We're in Babylonia. Rabbi Yehuda is already after Rav. This is already a tradition already, which has become part of it. He says, Shmona, hey, nine. Is it only nine? What about eight? Okay. Pretty soon we're going to do Avraham in the. Is it 50? Or 45? You know? You know? It sounds like good bargaining. Um, you know? Maybe it should be seven. But um, Marle, Loshna, it doesn't make a difference, meaning you can have eight plus two, seven plus three. Shisha Vadai Lomi Baile. But he didn't ask him about six. The question will be, why not six? But again, once you're dealing with six, you're already at a, major, a small majority. Okay, small majority. I'll give you an example in another halakhic frame. Um, I had to make a decision, I guess it was with the conservative movement, uh, at a certain point, because I was um, on the committee on the Committee of Jewish Law and Standards, and the luach which we produce was under my rubric of, uh, of sponsorship in my committee, and I had to review it. So, when you have in the af- morning or afternoon on a fast day, how many people do you need in order to read Torah, to say all of those things that are part of the um, rituals of fast days? So there are a number of different opinions, and I came down that you needed six, that you needed a majority of people. Okay, so for instance, Tishabav isn't an issue. Okay, Shiva Sarbatamus could be. The tenth of Tebet, hmm, forget some I don't even know do that one. Alright. Tani Esther, hmm, all we need is Michael to start doing those kinds of things too. So 
I said, you know, you don't, you don't have to ask, but if you, unless you don't have six people. So there's a rove minyan as such. So, and that was accepted by the committee. It's actually part of, if you look at the Lua, that's the background to it. So where do you get your majority from? Is it just a simple majority? Is it a super, what we'll call a super majority? Okay, so he says nine plus one, of course. How about eight? All right, seven. All right, six, mm, he didn't even ask. Which means he didn't feel comfortable in asking whether six plus four are going to be able to save Birkat Amazon with the Mizuma. That's all we got so far. Okay. Amar le Rabbi Yirmiya Shapir Avadit Dula Ibaya La. So Amar Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya says I'm Shapir. Shapir means it's good, it's better. You did the right thing. Shapir Avadit Dula Ibaya It's you did the right thing by not asking him. Meaning, six is just inappropriate or too little, as in fact, not too much, but too little. Why? Hatam tama mai mishum diika ruba havan nami ika ruba the ihusvar. Okay. Why do we need seven? Why do we need nine, eight, or seven? Mishum diika ruba. You have to have rove, a majority. Achanamika ruba, right? Here also, six is still a majority. Okay, you win by one vote today, somebody, it's, you win. It's as simple as the way it works. You may have to go to recall, but you win. <laughs> right, but as long as you win by one vote, you're considered the winner. So, shouldn't six be okay? The ihu savar. Okay, interestingly enough, at least in my Steinsalt edition, it was an older one than some of yours, this isn't translated um, here in the uh, in the text. I don't know if it is in the new one. Um, so, Ika Ruba Ruba Deminkar. Okay, the Nun is a Zion. Mizkar means Zikaron. You need a real majority. What is six? Eh. You look around and you six see six people. Is that a majority? If you have seven or eight, you know already it's a majority. Okay? It's not as obvious, right? Okay? Somebody could be hiding beside somebody or whatever the case may be. When you have seven, eight, or nine already, you can see that most of the people are there. So he said, I can accept nine, obviously. Eight and seven, okay. Six, a little touchy. I'm glad you didn't ask. Because why didn't you ask? Because you really need a, a visible majority. And while six is a majority, it's not a visible majority. It's not so easily. Then you're going to count. Yeah. All right? Then you're going to count. So if you have people in a minion, okay? Let us say it's a minion of, that only counts men. Okay? You're going to count at a certain... Once you have 11 or 12, you don't really care. All right? But what if, if you have seven or eight already, you begin to... Count by one. This is the same thing here. If you have seven or eight to count towards Mizuman, then you can get a couple more sitting around the table with you. Six already, you're going to be coming a little bit more antsy, etc. And that's why he said it's better that you didn't ask. All right? So, let's just look um, at the at the Orach HaHalacha, Tzirup Lezimun, 
right at the bottom of the page, left-hand column. No, no, the next one, the next one. Say Rufa Zimun. Just line, just line over. Oh, uh, right. Mm-hmm. What's pat? Bread. Okay. And it's seven who've eaten bread and three who've eaten mashahu. Mashahu, something. Something. Yarek, whatever the case may be. You can go down to seven. Six already was not accepted. You have to see a visible, okay, visible rule. That ends this whole section, basically, with the numbers and everything else. The next one is fascinating. I have to give you a little bit of, of historical. We're going to do some... Yes. Yeah. Don't be sorry. Unless the question doesn't make sense. You know, I can't, well, no, I, I shouldn't say Unless I can't answer the question, then I, you can feel sorry. Okay, so if people don't eat bread, can they join? I mean, how many people do you need who have eaten bread? Seven. seven. The bottom line is seven. Okay, because others, others can join it. Oh, yeah, then you need... Right, right, okay? Then you can, join, you can have other three people who have just eaten the cake if they come late and they're eating dessert. Okay, let's take our, our, what we do here on, on Shabbat. Okay, so we presume most people have, been eaten, have eaten bread. But let's say, you know, you're here at the morning minion breakfast. Okay, and there's seven people who have taken a bagel, etc. And three others who just took tuna fish or a piece of cake or whatever the case may be. You can count those three in order to say Nevarech Elokeinu. Six already said, that's too touchy, Okay? You have to do Brikadamazon regardless in this case. You have seven people who've eaten bread. The question is, you say Nevarech Elokeinu. That's the key. Okay. Suppose you have seven who ate bread and ten who didn't. Any difference? No, as long as you have seven who wait for it. Where else does this apply? In, in a minion, in a regular minion. You don't, need, you don't need ten people who have not governed to be able to have a minion. You can have a rove, most of the people who have not governed, and the others said, well, I govern. I mean, sometimes, you know, when I'm around at these Jewish meetings, have you govern mincha? Yeah, I've done Mincha already. Oh, well, can you just join us so we can do Kedusha? As long as the ro- there's a rove, there's a majority who have not davened, I can join them as well, even though I've officially davened already. So they can do Kaddish, Kedusha, whatever the case may be. Same rules apply in this case. Okay? You don't have to have ten people who haven't done davened, but you need the rove. You really need six or seven, again, to be able to say, I haven't davened. I can dub Mincha. Would you mind joining us at least for Kedusha so we have a minion present at that time? Same principle. Is the superstition of count, not counting uh, just a superstition? I mean, is that just a superstition? Not one. Not one. The evil eye. The evil eye. Okay? So, you know, Hoshiata Mecha, ten words, not one, not two, etc. The evil eye, you shouldn't sing, sing, you know, single people out. So the same thing with, you know, with this thing of fasting. All right, I know that Tisha B'Av, there's more than six people who have come Shabbat mincha, at Mincha time to be able to, to do that. But I'm not gonna, I don't want to ask. I can presume there aren't. 
Because what, what do you do by asking? You embarrass. The same thing with the counting with numbers. You don't want each person to be seen to be... The, co the collective here is the key. Okay? It's not... Again, it's not so horrible, but if you're worried of, in a superstitious kind of way, that's what you do. You, you know, Ten words, you count them that way. Or you're right. Not one. Brilliant. Jews are so brilliant. Not one, not two, not three. <laughs> what? What'd you say? I somewhere I heard you could count their feet. And count their feet and divide by two. Good. <laughs> you know, that's a real inclusive kind of thing. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even want to go there. Okay. Next part has some history. Alexander Yanaeus, Yanai Hamelech. I've got two historians here. Who was Alexander Yanaeus? Should we put you on the? Okay. I hadn't warned her for this, but uh, this is, you know, this is, these are... Go! Go! No, he's not warned. He's not one of her Right, no, no, he was actually antagonistic to the rabbis. Okay, who was his wife? Shlom Tzion HaMalka. Right. Okay. You all know Shlom Tzion because it's a street in Jerusalem, but there was an actual person because <laughs> you buy your tablecloths there, right? <laughs> right around the King David Hotel. Am I right? Right around King David Hotel. Okay. Okay. Right. I mean, well, you know, these were actual people. Who cares? You know, who what now? What what's the key to the rabbinic part of it? Alexander Yanai tried to get rid of the Pharisees. Okay. He's the one eventually who gets pelted by Etrogim. Uh, yeah, yeah, on, on Sukkot for doing the wrong thing. Shlom Tzion's brother is Shimon ben Shetach. Shimon, that's her brother. It's going to be critical here. He was one of the great Pharisaic leaders. Remember between the Sadducees and the Pharisees at this time, there was an enormous rivalry. And the Hellenistic, the Hasmoneans, eventually sided with the Sadducees. Okay, why? Because the Hasmoneans took over the priesthood. The Sadducees were very close to Greece and then Rome. They were the upper crust. The Pharisees were the rabbis, much more of what we would call the plebeians. Okay. Anti, not anti-temple, but much more involved with the ritual and not the selling, as you know, with Janet, Jason, and Malaeus, the selling of the of the Kohen Gadol uh, and in the priesthood. All of this is involved in the background to this story. So when you go to Israel and you hear all these stories, they're actual. I mean, Josephus tells us about it. The Talmud, as you'll see, tells us about it, etc. Uh, right, of the Edomians, right. That, mm -hmm, right, the, the Hasmoneans at this point were hated by the rabbis. Hated by the rabbis. 
Okay, so Yehuda Maccabi descends to here, eventually becomes well, all the way down the line Herod, who was of course hated by everybody except that he builds wonderful work. Okay, and puts everybody to work, and the Romans love him, etc. And eventually leads to the rebellion against Rome. And so, this is all part of, again, you go back to Josephus, but even the Talmud, within the Talmud, there are kernels of this. We're going to do a little bit of history, but having to do it, believe it or not, with Birkat Amazon. Because the Talmud is not a historical book. It is a book that relates to teaching and the way the rabbis wanted to see it. It's important to recognize again, in the Talmud, Alexander Yanai is an enemy because this is a Pharisaic book. This is the book of the rabbis. And one of the worst, as, as correctly said by Fran, she, he and his wife Shlom Tzion, who went over to the evil side, if you will, and he killed many rabbis. There were the, gave, no, this gave them up to the Hellenists, etc. This was a, a real story within the, the framework, which eventually led to the revolt against Rome and everything else, and the falling of the temple and exile. I mean, all the kernels are here in this particular case. Um, and, and again, when you hear the stories, you go to Israel, and you, as I used to sit at archaeological tours and listen to the stories and everything else, where did they get it from? They didn't make it up, I don't think. <laughs> they embellished them a little bit. That's what every tour guide does. Right? <laughs> it's okay? But this, this is the kernel here, and mostly Josephus. Josephus is mostly where we get it from, and Josephus, of course, is, is prejudiced to the Roman rule, because that's what he's writing for. But that's all we get. So in the Talmud, there are a good number of references to Yanai and to Shlom Tzion, and the battle specifically with Shimon ben Shetach who becomes the, the Pharisaic leader, and because he's the brother of the queen, he's saved. He continues to live and continues to, to teach Torah, etc. Okay? So, that you have to understand that background. You know, the old story today, you don't have to read Josephus, what do you need to do? You'll Google it and you'll find it out. You know, Why should you go get pick up a book today? You know? And go Google it and you'll get the whole things in Wikipedia and this and that. Who <laughs> Probably especially in the original. Um, so but you got but in order to understand this you gotta read Josephus, right? There's there's no other source for us in many cases there other than Josephus. You know, you get a little Philo, you get a little Roman stuff, etc. But Josephus is still the main person. But you gotta understand like anything, his history is not objective. He's trying to please his Roman <coughs> rulers. Okay? So that's the background. Now you're going to have Yanai and Shlom Tzion dealing with Halacha. Because they presumed themselves not only to be the king and queen, but the religious leaders of the community. No, I was just going to say that. They put the two together. They put the kingship and the priesthood together, which was an aversion to Talmudic, to rabbinic, to, to Torah and rabbinic thinking. Okay, and that's why they were hated by the Pharisees, by the rabbis. Who told? Who said that they could assume all of this power? Okay. So again, if power corrupts, again absolute power, etc. It started with Yudah Maccabi and down the line when they were the favorites of the of everyone, and eventually. The Hasmoneans were hated by the rabbis until you get to Herod, and you know you know the story there. Okay. Yeah, I often wonder why the Book of Matthew 
seismic history wasn't included in Toro. It's part of it. Sure, it's part of it. Sure. Sure. And all you have is two pages on my Hanukkah. Okay? You know, in the Talmud, what it's all about and everything else. And it's not, again, what do they deal with? The spiritual part, not the victory part. I mean, again, it's all tied in in that realm to rivalries. And the victors write history. The victors write history, and that's what you get as your quote-unquote objective historians, because you have no choice. Today, you, could, you, you know, we have a lot of different sources. You have, you know, if you want to find out something, you do archaeology, you do history, you do sociology, you, you, you take different texts, you may have diaries, etc. There wasn't around in those days. Didn't exist. And if, and, and if there were, then you either, you know, read them, or in most cases, since a lot of people didn't read and only heard and there weren't books, etc., heard about it and transferred it down to the next group and changed it as they did it. Because that's, of course, what transmission triddle is. It gets changed in what you hear and listen to and then transmitted to the next, which is why the orality of all of this material is very important to understand. And where it was said and who said it and what was the context, etc. And not just, oh, the Talmud says... It's a different way of studying Talmud than simply studying in yeshiva. It's a way of looking at its context. And that you really have to look at its context, I think, to understand it and to appreciate it. Because the rabbis are now going to talk about Yanai and Shlom Tzion and Shimon ben Shechach dealing with, gee, how do you do Birkat Amazon? This guy is hated. <laughs> this guy has killed rabbis. And what's he concerned about? Birkat Amazon. You know, like Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake, I'll live the way I want. So, it's a fascinating little section, but you got to get the historical background of it in order to both appreciate it and at the same time to recognize that this is the rabbi slant of what's happening. What years are we talking about? 100 BC? Uh, I think before, no, after that. What? I can't say right. right. After the Maccabean Revolt, okay, which is 165 or so, 165, 168, I would say about 130 or so, but I'm not, you would know better, you guys would really know better than I am. Um, is that fair, a fair date? Yeah. Okay. Okay? All right, so we're at the, we're at the Bet Yanai Malka. We don't even mention her name. Okay? It's like Mr. and Mrs. Noah. What's Noah's wife's name? Who cares? What, you know? Yanai Amel. And, and this is, again, there, why? Because the women weren't that important. Why is her name mentioned not here? Because of what Fran said. She was hated. You don't mention somebody you hate in the literature. King Yanai, I have to mention him. He's the king in this other storybook. And his wife, the queen. I don't even want to, you know, took, took, took. And now I shouldn't even mention her, her name. Okay. Kriach, those of you who went to Camp Ramah, what's a Kriach, friend? A sandwich, okay? Only Ramah would learn the word Kriach. How do you say sandwich in, in Israel today? Sandwich. Right. Go ahead and ask for a Kriach if they want to know what you're talking about. Don't know what you're going to talk about. As I said, this is an offside, I've said to some people, uh, um, I mean, I, I announced on Shabbos morning, as you know, that I watched the game, uh, the Cubs game, and there was an overlay of Hebrew. And it was just phenomenal to listen to. It was such perfect, such, such perfect Ramah Hebrew, you know. Yeshach Shav, fly out the left field, but who out? That's exactly what it was. 
Double play schnee outs, you know. It's like, exactly what it was great. So at three o'clock in the morning it was a lot of fun to listen to. Thank God I knew what was going on. Anyhow, so Yanakrichu Krich Rifta. Rifta is lechem. They made a sandwich. Okay? Bahade Hadade with the other. Well, you know, they put two pieces of bread together. We don't know what they put in the middle because who cares? If they have bread, what do they have to do now? This is, you know, again, I just want you to understand why I said all the There's an enormous amount of history with these people, unbelievable hatred, etc. What are we worried about? They want to do Birkat Amazon. But what's, what's the problem of doing Birkat Amazon? She doesn't count, and he's only one, supposedly. Right? So we, this is really interesting. And what had he done? He killed all the rabbis. Look at what Rashi says. I'll read Yanai Hamalka. Can you read the Rashi? Yeah, good. Mimalchei Bait. I think you should. All right, let me hear. All right, Bait He was one of the Hasmoneans. Rashi knew its history. The Harag Chachmei Yisrael. And he had killed the rabbis of Israel as such, all the rabbinic leaders, who came to make him, to, to in a sense to exclude him from taking over the kahuna, the priesthood, the Masech Kiddushin. There's a whole story in Masech Kiddushin, which probably we studied a while ago that none of us quite remember, but etc. So, Unmidek Talahu Rabbanan, what was the problem here? Go ahead. Go back to our text. He didn't have anybody around to say Birkat Amazon to do it. Okay, so gee, you know, just as an aside, oh, he killed everybody off. He wants to do Birkat Amazon. There's nobody around. Oh, okay. Should have thought of that before. I left two lackeys so I can do Birkat Amazon. You know, and you know, what the heck? I mean, just just think of the irony of this stuff. Okay, the, you know the Talmud has no humor. This is humorous. You know, he killed off all the rabbis. Now he's worried about it. Comes out, oh, I got nobody left. <laughs> Should have thought of that beforehand. Oh, I killed them all. Whoops. <laughs> but if I'm right after lunch, right? I should have killed them after lunch. <laughs> should have invited for a sandwich. We'll have a sandwich together, and then you're off to execute. <laughs> I mean, again. It's so ironic the way they put it because they know what's happened in the history. They know the history. They really do. Okay? But their concern now is hey, this guy wants to do Birkat Amazon. He's a pious Jew. The Vaitu. The Vaitu is La Who is his Bayat Shalom? His wife. Ishtozo Beto. His wife is his household, is the, is the Talmudic phrase. The Beto. He says to his wife, again, name not mentioned. Name not mentioned, not by accident. They know the wife's name. Where are we going to find a guy to save your Katamazon? Oh my God, look what we did here. We killed them all. I can't do Birkat He's worried about Birkat He killed everybody else. I mean, that's the, the humor in it, right? He's killed all the rabbis, and he's worried about Birkat this pious individual. Amarale. 
Ishtabali de i Maitinala Gavra Okay, she says to him, Ishtabali, do give give me an oath, okay? Swear to me, If I bring you Gavra, a person, a man, that you will not upset him, right? That you won't upset him. I got somebody in the wings in the closet. But I don't want you to come here and say, Oh my God, I'm going to kill this guy too. Hell with Berkat Amazon, right? Okay? Promise me that you'll leave him alone. Right, after the vengeance. Right, after the vengeance. Now, now, again, why is she concerned about this? Because she can deal with her brother. She's going to deal with her brother. That's why you've got to know the background here. It's phenomenal. Ishtabala. I said, all right, I'll tell you what, I've got to do Berkat Amazon. Just bring a lackey here, whatever the case may be. We'll do Berkat Amazon. I promise you, I won't, I won't bother him. I won't. And who does she bring? Ahuha. Ah, okay. She brings her brother, who is his arch enemy, who is the epitome of the rabbi, who is the leader of the, or the rabbinic group at this point, and she brings him. Now, this is phenomenal. Otve take the yashav. He put him between her and him. Okay, so the two of them are sitting on a throne. Let's take it. And he takes Shimon ben Shetta. She brings in Shimon ben Shetta. And he puts Shimon ben Shetta between the two of them. Amarle. And he says to him, remember this is the irony of this thing. Chazet, see, kama yikara, yakar urvuta, yakar in, in, what is yakar in, in Megillah Esther? Yakar is honor, privilege. Okay, okay. Dear, but wait, it's dear, but it's more than that in this case. See how much honor I'm giving you. You think I'm such a wretched individual? Look what I've done. Where am I sitting you between the king and the queen? Oh my God, what could be better? You're not giving me any privilege. You're not giving me any honor. Instead, ah, where do I get my honor from? Oraita, the Torah. You're not. I don't need the personal honor. Whether you like it or not, you're honoring Torah, because that's who I am, and that's what I represent. And therefore, whether you like it or not, and you don't like it, I'm a representative of Torah, and you're honoring Torah. And he's going to give a verse, which is a very difficult verse, and there are different uh, manuscripts of what the verse actually was, is, etc. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the verse itself. There's a whole discussion in, in the Iunim we may look at, etc. But, okay. Okay, it comes from Mishle. I, I can't even translate. Somebody want to just read the English? It says, Okay, so, so, presumably, that's good enough, okay? 
there are different traditions of what actually that it may have been um, the 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 whole th- the, what verse was etc. But what it basically says, and we'll, we'll look at the unim in a moment, is why do you give? What do you do? You give honor to the Torah. I'm a representation of Torah. Now that's actually a very important thing, which I don't want to take too much of attention on, but. Um, Jacob Neusner, who just recently passed away, some of you may know, um, who wrote, I don't know, 990 books or something phenomenal, unbelievably prolific, wrote a very wonderful book um, about this, or an introduction, I think it's an introduction to Talmud or whatever it's exactly called. Um, And he says one of the the sources of all the rabbinic life, which I happen to agree with him, is is that the, the Torah scholar is Torah himself. You model yourself after your teacher. The discipleship was very critical to the rabbis, and therefore the scholar represented Torah. You remember they may remember the story of somebody hiding under the bed while he was having sexual. How do I do it? He said, "Zek Torah," and I got to learn it. Or following Hillel to the bathhouse, or Rabbi Gamliel, you follow your disciple to learn how they live, and and um, what he basically says, and I think he's right. Newsner in this case is that the scholar is Torah incarnate in flesh and blood. Okay? You see it today in terms of the Hasidic world. The Rebbe. The, everything you, you want to be around the Rebbe. You want to see how the Rebbe ties his shoes. You want to see how he puts on his tallis, etc., etc. Alright? And in the real Hasidic dynasties, what did you do? Shirayim. If he took a little bite, you shared it with everybody too. It's there. So in this case, he says, I'm a representation of Torah in the real sense. And in the representation, you're not honoring me personally. That's what I have to do. I have to be Torah. You're embracing it in that realm. So he says to his wife, okay, look, I was trying to be nice, and look what happens. Okay? Yeah, this is your brother. Give, him, give me a break. All right? you see that he doesn't really accept all this. You know, he's giving me hassles. He's giving me hassles. Marut from Mar, bitterness. Okay, so he says, Yahuvle kasa, kasa is kos. Now, the interesting part here is, and I can't figure this out yet, because I don't quite understand. He's got three, including the wife. Okay. So I don't know who else is around. It's really fascinating in that realm. Yehovah Kasa, he gave him a, gl- a wine, Levaruche, to save Birkat Hamazon. Okay, to save Birkat Hamazon over the wine, presumably with three, but one of them is the wife. So I don't quite understand that part of it in this case, but that's what seems to be the case so far. What happens? He said to him, yeah, this is Shimon ben Shetak saying, you know, how am I going to bless? What do you want me to say? Okay, okay, Baruch. Now, one of the things the way the, the commentators take this is there are other people around, but nobody knows, knows how to do Birkat Amazon. And so Shimon ben Shetak is brought in order to do Birkat Amazon. There are other people around. He, but he says, what am I supposed to say? Blessed Nevarech Shachalu Mishalo, we should say Nevarech Shachal Yanai and his friends the food. I haven't eaten anything. You gave me a glass. That's why the story's brought. Okay, that's the context of the story now because we're dealing with Yarak and everything else. 
I got a glass. I'm going to say Berkat Amazon. You've asked me to say Berkat Amazon. I haven't eaten anything. So what am I supposed to say? I didn't eat it. So what happens? So what does he do? He drinks the wine. Presumably says Barik Ragafen and Akim. Okay, they bring him another glass of wine and he does Birkat Amazon. Meaning, as long, no, no. as long as he had, that's why the story is brought. As long as he had something, he can be included, including doing Birkat, being the Mazuman himself, leading everybody. But he's got to have something, otherwise. He's not, you know, he's not really part of, of the thing. But why wouldn't the first class of wine have done that? Because, because he did. Because he, he can't. He hasn't had anything till the first cup of wine. By the second cup of wine, he's already drunk, so he's part of meat starfin. Okay. So it doesn't have to be bread. Okay. No, that was what we said before. As long as that achlu dagan echad one of them had bread or two of them had bread and one had something else as long as they have something they can be included but the part that you're puzzled by is the important part because she's the third person right but that's why it says rav, perhaps that there are other people around and the real issue is he doesn't know how to do it he needs a chacham to be able to lead him that's my guess <clears throat> which again is what is it it's a play on Yanai who's going to be king and Kohen Gadol and knows nothing. <coughs> yeah. So hold on, look for a second. Litzaref means to bring together. Mitzarfim really means to be part of the community, part of the group. Litzaref, say roof. Okay, it means part of the group. Amar Rabbi Abba Berei de Rabbi Chia Bar Abba. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Shimon ben Shatach da'avad legarme legarme Shimon, with us says, don't take this as an example of of what the halacha should be. Shimon ben Shatach da'avad, and he did this way legarme. He did it for his own purposes, meaning who's sitting beside him. You know, the king, I'll go ahead and do it, but I don't really think that's the halacha, but in order to save my life, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and do it. Dahachi. Dahachi amar rabbi chia baraba amar rabbi yochanan. Le'olam eno motzi et harabim yidei chovatam ashef. Okay, that this one says you have to be able motzi eta rabim. The person leading berkat amazon has to have bread himself. Okay, that's he has to have bread himself. Otherwise, how can he do? And even if he had mitzarfin, he can be part of it. Doesn't mean he can lead it. He's got to have the bread in order to lead it. And if he doesn't have the bread, he can't do it. Rabbi Shimon ben Shetach allowed it, allowed himself to do it this time because look was sitting beside him. Okay, his sister, evil queen Shlomzion, and Yanai Amelah. But it's not. Don't take that as a perfect example. Um, all right, let, let's stop there for a moment. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Um, 
because we're now going to go on and question this whole thing. We're really dealing with, did he do the right thing, not the right thing, and how much do you have to eat, etc. I want to deal a little bit with this um, Shimon Ben Sheta thing. Take, take a look, for those of us who have it, on the left-hand column, where it says Ishim. Okay, there's a long thing of Shimon Ben Shetach. I, oh, it's, worth, yeah. it's worth looking at it. Yeah. It may be in the English there, I don't know, under certain... Uh, Shimon Ben Shetach. Hmm? Yeah, you don't have it. You don't have it. Go ahead. But you can listen. Okay, so he was the head of the Sanhedrin, which means he was the rabbinic leader, Shimon Ben Shetach, during the time of Alexander Yanai. He was one of the great rabbis, one of the great teachers, and one of the great people in teaching the oral law. So we're dealing with a major rabbinic figure. That's why this story is classic history in its own realm. Takif. Takif means very strong. A very strong ruler. Who stood on the intricacies, the minuscule intricacies of Torah. Gram- Dikduk today, of course, means grammar, so it means the, the minuscule, the minor kinds of things. And he did all that he could in order to make sure that there weren't any kind of denials, difficulties, passing on the oral law. The error is really means to um, to create doubts, right? Whether it was from the outside or internally on the people who were internal. In other words, Shimon ben Shetach, and that's why the story becomes so critical, is a very major leader who holds power and holds it very closely to himself. What's Kishuf? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Machshefa lo the Torah tells us. He, during his time, he got rid of any kind of witchcraft in the land because in, in, by making special decrees. Ha'edut. And he had a lot to do with the creating of proper witnessing in all kinds of categories. The next one you'll, you, women in particular appreciate. Yichlol, really, I think. Shichlel. 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 Uh, and he gave strengthened power to 
to the ketubah to the ketubah which of course in those days ketubah was important because it protected the woman he to show the strength of the court what did he do he didn't like what the king was doing he invited the king to this court and showed him who was boss okay this is the this is the the different parts of you know the separation of powers that's what they were very much upset the rabbis of the Hasmoneans they didn't separate the powers they were the kings and the Kohanim okay and here he said I'm gonna show you who's boss he invited Yanai and there are stories in the Talmud or I believe in, jo- in Josephus as well of the, the way Yanai saw this as a degradation of his power and his privilege and his kavod and they eventually went out after the rabbis because of this and other reasons Hitnagesh means conflict he had a great conflict with the king and he had to run away and hide because of the worried about the revenge of the king but what we have to understand as you can see here he didn't give up he didn't give up any kind of covenant and privilege and everything else he ran away to hide but he stood on his principles right and when they got to him by by false witness against his son they accepted the punishment so they would not go against the normal parts of the acceptance of power and everything Hamalka, there you get her name, okay? Even though her sister, his sister, Shlomzion Hamalka, was was the sister of, was the wife of Yanai. He would still work, do his particular kind of work, his statecraft. Oh, Rot. He was, in addition, what was he? A tanner. Bibud yeah. Rot. He was a tanner in addition to being the rabbi. Even though his sister was the queen, he still, he didn't want to, he had no part of the, the royalty part. He was a tanner and continued to stand on his principles. Mm. 
המשיכה אשתו שלום ציון למשהו בעם. שלום ציון המלכה continued to be the queen. ותקופת מלכותה כאשר התנהגה הפנימית And but the internal matters she left to her brother Shimon Ben Sheta. Was known when during that time when Shimon Ben Sheta was uh, took over sort of the, the reins behind the queen. It was known as a great part, a prosperous part for the Jewish people. Okay? But she was hated because she was part of Yanai. But Shimon ben Shetach was given a great deal of honor. Okay? Last thing I will do is look only at a couple of these Iunim. You're doing great. Lo havei enish likruche. Lo havei enish likruche. Ein hakabana shelo haya sham shum sham it doesn't mean that there wasn't somebody there who didn't know the bracha this according to this Ella but they looked for a prestigious man in order to lead Birkat Amazon I don't know this is one of the theories I, I have to think anyhow and since he had killed everybody there was nobody there and they had to go get Shimon Ben Sheta that's one of the theories I think it may be that there wasn't anybody who knew it either but that's possible too ok let's skip the next one because it has to do with the Pasuk and everything doesn't matter Legarme Legarme Huda Abad Yesh Mepharshim Shehakavanahi Shashimon Ben Shetach Asala Atzmo in other words that he did it for himself meaning he did it for his own purposes and didn't care about the rest of the people because since everybody else was a Sadducee all friends of Yanai the king he didn't care if they did Yotzei if he fulfilled their obligations because they were Tzidukim anyhow he was only worried about his own because he didn't trust them but if somebody wants to fulfill the obligation for others he should do it properly with the proper kavod for everybody. We're not quite finished with the inyan, because we'll, there's questions in terms now more of what do you really have to do, what do you have to eat, etc., etc. But I think it's fascinating again when you look at Talmud in the midst of a rather interesting discussion of how many people you need to be able to say to lead Birkatamazon, etc. They throw in this enormously packed historical incidents of Yanai, not even mentioning his wife, Shimon ben Shetach, in a halachic framework, but you have to know the historical background in order to appreciate what's happened here, why the questions arise, and what are the solutions given, and who's writing the history.
So it's again, and I think a wonderful example of the way Talmud works, of kind of just looking at uh, the pattern here of trying to uh, deal with the an issue halakhically or thematically, but there's an enormous amount of history behind it written by the rabbis. So Shikoch, and we'll we'll continue. Steinzaltz in his school. Okay. All right. Thank you. We'll see you next week.